Dr. John Newman is a professor at the Buck Institute and at the University of California, San Francisco. He hopes to translate what we are learning of the pathways that control aging into therapies to improve the health and independence of older adults. And with that, let me start the interview. Hello, Dr. Newman. You are a professor at the Buck Institute and also practice gerontology at UCSF. So welcome to Modern Healthspan and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Richard. It's great to be here. Looking forward to our chat. So Dr. Newman, uh, can you introduce yourself very briefly? So you do have this dual role as both a researcher and a clinician. So that would be really interesting to understand kind of what you're doing in those two roles. Uh, yeah, I'm a geriatrician physician scientist. You're not going to meet too many folks like me. Um, my uh, So I, I do both clinical work. Uh, I teach. Um, I practice medicine. I'm a geriatrician, which means my practice focuses on the special uh, needs and problems of older adults. Um, I'm actually mostly based in the hospital. So I, I help to take care of older adults when they're admitted to the hospital. Um, and would love to talk more about how that informs my science, what problems I'm interested in, and how I'm trying to to use basic science to create better tools uh, to help older adults, um, help them to stay independent, uh, and to live their lives as best they can. Um, but I'm an, so I'm an old-fashioned physician scientist. I, my laboratory, my research programs do everything from very basic science biochemistry uh, through you know preclinical models, uh, mostly using mice into translational science, trying to see if the stuff that we're studying in mice and test tubes is actually relevant in people um, and trying to use what we've learned to better understand uh, problems that are important to people. And for me, um, you know, that's all focused on aging, aging and geriatrics. Um, and, you know, my my mission in life uh, is to is to take every the, the, the incredible, exciting science that we're learning about the basic mechanisms, the biological mechanisms of why we age and try to translate that uh, into a better understanding of the problems that affect us as we age and hopefully create new therapies for them, especially the ones that are so difficult uh, to understand and treat because they're so complicated. Um, geriatric syndromes like delirium that are a big focus of my lab. Um, so I, I, I do it all. <laughs> I do it all with a purpose, uh, you know, advance the science, uh, hopefully eventually influence clinical practice and help to train the next generation of folks. So there's more people like me uh, who can do this translational work. So why ketone bodies as your oh, focus? Why? Um, ketone bodies are, are a really interesting <laughs> angle on, on aging biology. And I can talk about why they're, why are ketone bodies related to aging? Um, mm. Uh, and I can tell you a bit about you know why the personal story. Why am I interested in ketone bodies, which is which is actually a bit of an accident. Uh, kind of how do scientific careers develop? Uh, there's a lot of serendipity and um, and coincidence involved. Um, but ketone bodies and aging, um, you know, why is this? This is interesting for several reasons. Uh, your readers are probably familiar with some of the basic outlines of aging biology. I'm guessing, um, including the close relationship between mechanisms of aging um, and diet and nutrition or, or the patterns of nutrition. So many of your listeners will know that um, the very first experiments that showed that you could take a healthy animal in the laboratory, rats in this case, and make them live longer and, and not just a little bit longer, quite a bit longer, uh, like 30, 40% longer. Um, those experiments were first done almost a hundred years ago. 
And what is this, you know, this intervention, this fantastic drug that made a healthy rat live longer? It was eating less. It was dietary restriction. Um, now, it's a little more complicated than that. It's not just eating a little bit less. It was eating a lot less. It was eating almost to the edge of starvation. Um, but dietary restriction made rats live longer. Um, and, and now there's 100 years of data in all sorts of organisms. It's more complicated than it sounds. But in general, the most um, the surest way to make an animal live longer is some form of dietary restriction. Um, We've learned though, that it's not about eating less. This is one of the most exciting parts about aging science. It's not about eating less, but we've researchers all over the world have been able to map out how nutrition signals into our bodies, into our cells to control mechanisms that relate to aging. Um, it's all, it's, it's signals, it's all regulated. We can understand those pathways and then we can intervene on them. Um, and understanding those pathways, things like like autophagy and proteostasis um, and AMPK signaling, um, these have actually led to the first generation of drugs that are in clinical trials to target aging. So it's all signals. Here's where ketone bodies come in. So anything that you do to you know to eat less, to fast, you know caloric restriction, dietary restriction, uh, intermittent fasting, time restricted feeding, all these things that get at that nutrient signal bit in aging. They mostly put your body in a state that makes ketone bodies. Um, now, is that is that a coincidence? Is, does that just help us to survive fat? We, ketone bodies help us to survive a fast. You know, we, we need them. Um, but is that the only role that ketone bodies have? Or is it more than a coincidence that, you know, all these states that make animals live longer, you're making ketone bodies, do they actually have a, a function? Are they part of the mechanism? Um, and I think we're learning more and more that they might be part of the mechanism. Uh, we know that ketone bodies interact with aging biology in a number of interesting ways. Um, and this is what my lab now mostly focuses on. I'm sure we'll dive into it in more detail. Um, you know, are ketone bodies part of the mechanism through which fasting and dietary restriction affect aging? Can we understand that in detail? Exactly what do ketone bodies do that relate to aging? And how can we apply that to specific problems and diseases in aging, like Alzheimer's disease or delirium or heart failure or others? Can we take a, like a step back and just talk a little bit about ketone metabolism? Yeah, ketone metabolism in general and certainly do want to dive into ketones and aging. So can you talk a little bit about, so why do we produce ketones and uh, what are they used for when, when they get produced? Ketone bodies are one of the ways that our bodies use fats for fuel. So one way to think about ketone bodies is, you know, they are to fats what glucose is to carbohydrates. They're really simple molecules. Um, your body makes them from much larger fat molecules, but they're they're small, they're simple, they circulate in the blood, and many different cells and tissues can burn them for energy. So they're they're how our body accesses all of the energy that's stored in our fat. Um, if you're fasting, if you're starving, you haven't eaten anything for days. Um, where where's how do you survive that? You know where do our bodies store energy? You know, we, we start with carbohydrates. We have a little bit of glycogen um, uh, stored in our, our muscles and our livers, but we burn through that pretty quickly. Most of the energy 
reserves in our body or in our fat. Um, ketone bodies help us to access that. And so they keep us alive um, when we're starving or during, during a fast. Um, they also help to keep us alive without having to, uh, to burn too much of our muscle to do so. They, ketone bodies feed the brain so that we don't have to turn muscle into sugar to feed the brain. That's thought to be the evolutionary reason why do ketone bodies exist. They help us to survive long periods without food and help, help us to stay relatively strong while we're doing it. Um, but there are other aspects to ketone bodies too. You know, we, we make a lot of them when we're fasting, but we make them all the time. Our bodies are always making a little bit of them. And, and compared to other things in our other molecules in our blood, there's actually quite a bit of ketone bodies there always. There's a lot more when you fast. They're kind of unique among, um, among molecules in our bodies. And, and the range of normal is so wide uh, because you can, you can have 10 or 20 times more when you're fasting. Um, so ketone bodies are just part of normal life, of our normal life. Um, many of your readers might have encountered them in uh, in, in other in, in maybe bad circumstances too. You know, a lot of us have heard of like ketoacidosis. That's a bad thing. Um, if you uh, you know if your if your body's control of ketone bodies is totally out of whack, uh, you can't regulate them anymore because you don't have any insulin. You're a type one diabetic. Um, you can just get into you know you start making ketone bodies out of control, and like anything out of control, that's bad. And can become life-threatening. Um, so you know there's there's a dark side to ketone bodies too if they're out of control. But ketone bodies are also just part of normal life. It's not a binary switch, is is what you're saying? Is that you can have both ketones and insulin and glucose in the blood at the same time? Uh, so I guess it it's not like this metabolic switch where you just go from one to the other. Well, in in normal physiology. Uh, you know, so not talking about type one diabetes, um, in normal physiology, these things are on kind of a seesaw. Mm -hmm. So if you're eating a lot, uh, and you have lots of glucose coming in, your body's making lots of insulin, you're not making as much ketone bodies. You're always making some, but you're not making very much. Uh, then if the seesaw flips, if you're fasting, you know, your, your blood glucose starts to drop. You're starting to use your glycogen. You're starting to make glucose. Mm -hmm. Um, you have very little insulin, you're starting to make glucagon. Now you're, now you start making more ketone bodies. So in general, insulin and ketone bodies are, uh, are on this kind of seesaw. Mm. Um, and we'll talk a bit later about, um, uh, and, and so that's, that's normal physiology. Uh, if that doesn't work that way, that's when, that's what type one diabetes is. If you don't have any insulin ever in type mm. one diabetes, then your body doesn't know to stop making ketone bodies. Uh, and so it gets out of control. We'll talk later about some of the interesting kind of new technology uh, that's being developed to uh, um, to be able to take ketone bodies um, like a uh, like a drug, take them or like a food. Um, you know, instead of relying on your body to make them, to essentially eat them, uh, which is an interesting approach to to try to study ketone bodies um, in humans to see if they they can affect these problems of aging. Mm -hmm.